Welcome to the Comic Sauce Podcast, where we talk comics and comics culture. Presented by Cape and Cowl Comics. I am Henry Liu. And today, I am rolling solo once again, and I'm going to be talking some Luke Cage. Luke Cage Season 2 has dropped on Netflix, and I have recently completed it. Season 2 in the books. And um, certainly some highlights to mention, certainly some lowlights as well. It wasn't a perfect season by any means, in my opinion, uh, but let's get through it. Let's talk about it. Okay, so I thought I'd break it down in two distinct sections today. One, a non-spoiler section, and then a spoiler-filled section. So I'll give a heads up when I get into spoiler territory. This season, season two, hasn't been out that long, so I'm guessing a lot of people haven't finished it yet. So certainly wanted to respect that. Okay, so again, starting with non-spoiler stuff. Yeah, you know, there was a lot to like about this season. And uh, one of those highlights, I would say, is the introduction of a new villain, the villain Bushmaster. I thought he was fantastic, played by Mustafa Shakir. Great performance, very menacing, very real, too. You got to know this character, and you understood his motivations, and... um, yeah, his motivation really is revenge. You know, he uh, is fueled by vengeance. And he does some pretty extreme stuff over the course of the season. Um, but at no point was I, you know, did I feel like his actions came out of nowhere. You know, I felt like what he did, as extreme as it was, I felt uh, there was reason behind it, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I can't say enough about that villain, Bushmaster. And it brought about a whole different feel to this show. You know, one of my gripes with season one was Luke Cage is kind of too powerful, you know. Like, when he's taken on your average, everyday street criminal. They're completely no match for him. You know, he's bulletproof, he's super strong, and uh, very formidable. So Bushmaster, I thought, was a great counter to that. You know, he also is essentially bulletproof, super strong, and he's got quickness and skill, too. So he, he brought a a whole different type of challenge to Luke Cage. And um, uh, there's one fight in particular, Luke Cage versus Bushmaster, that was awesome. Maybe the highlight of the entire season. They go at it throughout the course of season two, but there's one in particular uh, that I thought was incredible and really 
taps into what I'm talking about, you know, Luke Cage meets his match, you know. Um, yeah, like a problem I have with this show, Luke Cage, versus pretty much all of the other Marvel Netflix shows is that he is super powerful. You know, this is a street-level show. It's rooted in reality, and it's really easy to identify with a lot of these characters. You know, we're talking Daredevil and the Punisher, etc., etc. Luke Cage kind of is harder to relate to because he is so powerful, and I feel like his villains need to step it up. You know, they need to be a match for him and we haven't seen that a whole lot but Bushmaster is the big exception here so again props to the actor props to the writing um, I think they did really well with this particular villain okay um, so Bushmaster certainly one of the highlights for the season but maybe the number one highlight for me was Misty Knight played extraordinarily by Simone Missick and I'm I gotta say this character Misty Knight I mean she really reminds me of the 70s black exploitation actress Pam Greer I mean she is Pam Greer revisited you know it's so great seeing her in action and it fits too because the misty knight character was kind of born of that era right she really was modeled after black exploitation stars like pam Greer, you know um, so the fact that now in the year 2018 this character feels like pam Greer. i think that that fits, you know, that makes sense. She should. She should match Pam Greer, right? And uh, yeah, she's just a total badass, a total throwback kind of character. And, you know, we've seen Misty Knight before. We've seen her in Luke Cage season one. We've seen her in Defenders. But, you know, this version of Misty Knight is what comic fans have been waiting for, you know, this Misty Knight does have, and I'm not spoiling here because we saw this in the trailers, she does have the bionic arm, you know. This is the Misty Knight we know in the comics, and it really makes her uh, more than just the cop, you know. It makes her a superhero. She is a superhero in Luke Cage season two and you know I got to call this out because some of the complaints about the Marvel Netflix shows are that the budget isn't quite there I mean if you compare it to the Marvel Cinematic Universe obviously the budget is lower you know and some of that fits you know it's a street level show or these are street-level shows. So the the low-budget aspect does kind of fit there, but, you know, at times it does feel a little bit cheap. You know, you can't help but compare it to the MCU, right? 
Um, so I was a little bit concerned, you know, that Misty Knight's bionic arm would be possibly a little cheesy, but I thought it was awesome. You know, Misty Knight's new arm looks great. It, uh, it's handled well, I think. You know, it, it looks like something out of real life, you know, and it's not like once she, once she has this arm, she's like completely invincible and, um, you know, knows how to use it expertly right away. Um, initially, you know, it's it's kind of hard for her to use. You know, she has to sort of get used to it. And then, you know, over time, she learns how to fight with it. And over the course of the season, I don't think she ever really masters it. I mean, I think she certainly comes back to her uh, original fighting prowess but I don't think she's reached the point where it's become like a huge asset right um, so I like that sort of gradual progression that's cool um, Simone Missick is awesome in this role as always uh, but again I think with the bionic arm she's really starting to embody the Misty Knight from the comics and embody being a superhero, you know, rather than just sort of this side character that is a cop that helps out Luke, uh, Luke Cage. She's more of a, of a, you know, a superhero in her own right, and I'm so psyched about that, you know. Okay, another highlight I have to call out, and this was from season one, the music. You know, season one, the music was great. Season two, no change. It's great. The music is amazing. And I'm talking all the music, not only the score, but also the songs and the variety of music, too. That's maybe where it elevates from season one. You know, with season two, pretty much all the music is fantastic. And again, I'm talking about the score and the songs. I think um, Adrian Young really has to be called out here uh, because he really is uh, the guy behind it all. Um, but, uh, yeah, the variety of the music is particularly noteworthy because appropriately with Bushmaster and the Jamaican influence on this show, a lot of Jamaican characters are in season two. Uh, there's a lot of reggae, you know, and it makes sense to have reggae tunes uh, sprinkled throughout. And... Um, the music is used well, it's used appropriately, and it's fantastic. And, um, you know, I mentioned the songs are great. Maybe even more so the score, because throughout this show, even during quieter moments, you hear this musical score that is completely unique. Uh, you, you just don't hear a score like this used at all in other TV shows, in movies, it's very unique. And, you know, in my mind, they're really, uh, really the only time you would hear this kind of music in a TV show or a movie is like way back when, like in the 70s, you know, it feels like you're watching a show in the 70s or maybe like a black exploitation movie or something, you know, there's a retro feel to it that's totally unique and makes this show, like, very watchable, you know, 
I'll be the first to admit that there are some points where the show lagged a bit, um, but the music kind of kept me going. You know, the music, just hearing uh, the score in the background or having these great songs come on, uh, it uh, it really keeps things rolling. It's really fantastic. And, you know, I mentioned the reggae. It's not just reggae. You know, we hear jazz. We hear hip-hop. We hear soul. I mean, there's this great spectrum of music all throughout. Really good stuff. Okay, before I get off the highlights, um, I did want to note the overall acting performances. And, you know, like season one, the performances were great in season, in season two. You know, for the most part, uh, I mentioned uh, the performances by the Bushmaster and Misty Knight actors. I wanted to call out another actor, kind of a smaller role, but there's an actor, I'm probably butchering his name here, but his name is Sar Nagauja. He plays the character Anansi, and this guy is kind of the voice of reason on the Jamaican side of things. You know, Bushmaster is on this mission of vengeance, and Anansi is really the guy who's kind of reining him in a bit. Again, the voice of reason, and he is amazing. Like, his performance is fantastic. Um, I don't want to get into too much spoilers right now, but uh, he really kills it. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to call him out in particular alongside uh, the Misty Knight and Bushmaster performances. You know, besides that, uh, Luke Cage himself, Mike Coulter, solid, you know. It's not easy, you know, being uh, the lead on a Marvel Netflix show. You know, these seasons are pretty long. Again, this is a 13-episode season. He held it together. A strong performance, uh, no doubt. Okay, so yeah, on to some of the things I had some issues with. You know, along the lines of acting performances, uh, overall I think they were great. There is one kind of exception I got to call out. So Alfre Woodard is no question a great actress. And, again, she plays the Mariah Dillard character here. You know, season one, she played Mariah, and she's back for season two. And, um, like I said, no question, she's a great actress. But, man, I feel like her performance here in season two, it was a bit over the top for me. <laughs> um, I don't want to say overacting, but uh, it was, let's say, over the top. Uh, a bit much and you know there's there's a time and place for that I think and had the other actors been kind of like in that same way that would be one thing right um, I feel like she was acting in like a different world it was almost like Mariah was like in a play like Alfre Woodard was acting in a play while the rest of the cast, the whole rest of the cast, was doing a TV show. So it just felt a little out of place, a little bit odd. Um, yeah, maybe I don't fault the performer so much here. 
um, because I thought she was she was good, um, but it just was kind of out of place. You know, maybe the direction uh, could have been better. It, it maybe could have been more consistent. The directing of the actors, you know, having the actors feel like they were working in the same medium, right? Uh, so I'll say that um, Mariah has a lot of screen time in this season. And, you know, I got to say, for the most part, it's always like revved up to level 11. And um, I just felt it was a little strange. You know, it was a little bit much, a little bit much for me. Okay. Um, other than that, you know, um, I didn't have any major problems Overall, I didn't love this season. I think there were certain moments that were great. You know, I mentioned that one battle between Luke Cage and Bushmaster. That was fantastic. Um, but overall, um, I didn't get super, super excited over the season as a whole. Uh, you know, like maybe the writing could have been a bit tighter too. You know, um, I feel like the music held me, held my interest more than the actual story. You know, I think that's kind of telling. You know, it's really all about story, right? Like these shows, the reason we watch the shows we watch, we watch the movies we watch is really the story. I mean, that's that's really the, the heart of it, right? Um, and if it's stuff like like some battle scenes here and there, um, the musical moments and uh, performances that are really like keeping me going. That's great, but I mean, it really should be the story that's sucking me in. I didn't really feel that uh, so much with uh, season two of Luke Cage. And, uh, you know, in addition, the action scenes were pretty good, but not great, you know, along those same lines. Um, again, I keep going back to that one showdown. That was fantastic. But other than that, I really didn't feel like um, I was uh, overwhelmed by the action scenes. A lot of it is kind of that thing where, where I was talking about a challenge. You know, there was the lack of narrative tension in a lot of these battles because, you know, when we see Luke Cage take on a bunch of criminals, you know, even armed criminals, guns and whatnot, you're kind of not really worried that he's <laughs> going to, you know, overcome, right? Because he's Luke Cage, he's bulletproof, you know? Uh, so that was a bit few and far between. Luke Cage really getting challenged. So I want to see more of that. I want to see more of him getting challenged and that uh, Cage needing to sort of figure out uh, how to win, you know. There wasn't a whole lot of that. Not a whole lot. Oh, and one minor gripe that I just thought of. There's this cool scene early in the season where uh, Luke Cage is putting on this athletic display. It's kind of cool. It's like as if Luke Cage was trying out for a football team or something. And he showcases his strength and uh, his, uh, his amazing superhuman abilities, right? Very cool. Um, the one thing I had a problem with is that he demonstrates super speed, which really isn't, to me, really isn't 
an attribute that Luke Cage has. And, you know, it'd be one thing if it was the case where, oh, in this universe, Luke Cage has super speed. That'd be one thing. But they've never established that, right? In Luke Cage season one in Defenders, he's never exhibited super speed. So why now are they showing that? So a big inconsistency and also, you know, kind of going against any version of Luke Cage I've ever known, comics or otherwise. Uh, So kind of annoying. Okay, so let's go ahead and get into spoiler territory. Spoiler alert. Okay, so these first couple items I'm going to mention aren't super huge spoilers because... I think they're kind of widely known. And that is the fact that Colleen Wing and Danny Rand would appear in this season. You know, um, I don't think it was, you know, widely publicized, but I'm pretty sure in certain social media feeds, you know, we see, we see them, you know. Uh, so not a huge spoiler, um, but Certainly, it was pretty refreshing to me to see one episode where Colleen Wing was featured and a separate episode where Danny Rand is featured. And, um, you know, I talked about cool moments earlier. A couple of really cool moments here. So one was the quote-unquote Daughters of the Dragon scene. So that's when Colleen Wing and Misty Knight team up and take on some low-life hoodlums in a barroom brawl. And they basically uh, mop the floor with them. Pretty cool to see that. It's part of Misty's arc, too. You know, um, Colleen helps Misty get out of her funk and sort of realize that she has ability, she has significance, even without her arm. You know, this is before she gets her bionic arm and... uh, Colleen sort of shows that oh, she's still formidable. She's still a force. And she ha- still has uh, the fire to, to uh, fight crime and do right, even before the bionic arm, right? And that really leads to her getting the arm. It's like um, I think Colleen sees Misty in this battle, and she realizes, oh, she's, she's still got this fire. And um, uh, she knows that she has a way for her to get a new arm. And, you know, and Misty has sort of proven that she's ready for it. So um, pretty cool scene, uh, pretty cool fighting. Um, I would have liked to see Misty and Colleen fight together with Misty having that new arm. You know, that's the Daughters of the Dragon that I know. And... uh, have enjoyed immensely in comic books. So as of yet, we haven't seen that, right? And also, kind of like what I was mentioning before, I want to see some more uh, formidable opponents. You know, Misty and Colleen are true badasses. You know, they are superheroes. You know, that's cool. We see them beating up these uh, thugs, uh, but I want to see him fight supervillains, right? So um, I have a feeling that's in store, but haven't seen that yet. 
you know, uh, this one scene was great. And I love the fact that uh, Jessica Henwick had some screen time, had a, a Luke Cage episode where she is featured. Um, but yeah, wanting more. Along those same lines, there is an episode later in the season where Danny Rand is featured. And uh, this was the team up that we were exposed to a bit in Defenders. And um, I certainly was hoping to see in this season the Heroes for Hire, Power Man and Iron Fist. And uh, it, you know, it delivered. We got to see them uh, reunite, have some, uh, some banter, some catching up. You know, it's cool to see them just chatting at the barbershop. And then, of course, it was awesome to see them in action you know, taking out a whole warehouse of thugs. So, um, you know, when we're talking Power Man and Iron Fist, these guys are powerful superheroes, and together, even that much more powerful. So to see them take out these thugs is great. But again, you know, give them a challenge, man. You know, um, these guys... You know, they took on the hand uh, in in Defenders. So to see them take on these uh, low-level thugs was fun, but uh, again, that whole narrative tension thing, at no point did I feel like they were in much of any kind of danger, right? So I want to see more. Give them a challenge. That said, there is some really cool shit in this fight scene. Um, the way it started, man, that was awesome. So there's this warehouse, and then a door just blasts open, and you see the silhouette of Power Man and Iron Fist. You see Danny's Iron Fist glowing, and the unmistakable silhouette, you know, the, the, the lean... Iron Fist and the 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 the, the hulking, uh, intimidating silhouette of Luke Cage. Super cool. I mean, that's straight out of the comics. You know, you see that image, that silhouette with the glowing fist, and uh, yeah, that got me really excited. So, give me more. Give me more of that. Okay. Um, so, yeah, those. Two episodes were cool. I'm glad they didn't completely inundate this season with too much Colleen and Danny, um, but very cool that they just kind of sprinkled them in there. All right, so I think a good amount has been said about the twist ending of the season, and this is a pretty major spoiler, uh, the very end of this season. And... I guess what they were really going for was uh, a surprise twist where Luke Cage kind of becomes the head of the Harlem criminal underworld, you know. I mean, that's what it's made to feel like. Now, I got some problems here because, first of all, it seems really forced and out of place and implausible, you know, like... Luke Cage, this character is a righteous person. You know, 
he does good. He's not a villain. And there are hints throughout the season of him sort of crossing over to a dark place. Um, but I certainly never felt like he would completely go evil, right? For So for him to seemingly become the quote-unquote kingpin of Harlem, it just didn't seem right. And it seemed forced, and it seemed just like... Um, like a, a bit hokey I don't know like it felt like we were trying to be shocked in a way that didn't feel real you know um, like I certainly don't feel like Luke Cage is truly evil at the end of the season it's just sort of like oh hey um, we as the audience are supposed to think that way and I'm just not buying it <laughs> you know uh, so, you know, check it out. It's the very end of the last episode of the season. And, um, yeah, there's, there's even a part where, um, he's made aware that Claire has come back to see him and he sort of rejects her, you know, he doesn't want to see her. And, um, yeah, it just all feels kind of forced. And I know that this storyline isn't gonna continue on for long i mean come on he's luke cage he's not the kingpin right uh so it was just sort of shock value for the sh for the sake of shock value i feel so that's it you know I, I don't think there's much more to say there um was it interesting was it a surprise i suppose so um but uh look I don't buy it. I mean, I have watched every single Marvel Netflix show to date, including every single appearance of Luke Cage. And it does not seem within his character to do what they're seemingly implying. Uh, so I'll just say that. Uh, so overall, an enjoyable season. I think... Uh, I had some issues, no question. So it probably takes this season to more of a mid-tier ranking. I don't think I have a really explicit ranking of every show, every season, but this feels kind of in the middle. You know, kind of feels like Luke Cage season one, actually. Like, I had some uh, similar takes there. Like, a lot of stuff I enjoyed, a lot of stuff I had problems with. So kind of in the middle. And certainly, you know, on par, season one and season two, in that uh, same category, I would say. Okay? All right. And with that, we can wrap up the episode. This is Farewell from Henry. <laughs>